Good morning, noon, or night, wherever and whenever you are listening. You are listening to The Shift. I'm your host, Doug McKenty. This is the 26th episode of The Shift. It's being recorded on January 31st, 2018. If you like what you're listening to, please think about becoming a patron. That's patreon.com backslash The Shift. If you want to find out more information, join my Facebook page at The Shift with Doug McKenty. Join the conversation on Twitter at McKenty. And for more information... Uh, and for the archives of the show, check out my website at www.theshiftnow.com. My guest on the show today is documentarian Michael Joseph, host of the powerful, informative, and illuminating video series entitled Occult Science, available on YouTube at Schism 206. The series draws upon a variety of primary sources, including prominent intellectuals and scholars, as well as high-level Freemasons, Theosophists, and other members of the occult, to paint a picture of the hidden esoteric spirituality which begins at the dawn of human civilization and extends its influence into the present day. Michael is able not only to describe the central tenets of this hidden religion, but he is able to identify its characteristics in many of the foundational institutions of modern-day civilizations. You will be surprised to discover how closely the worldview propagated by modern science mirrors the perspective of this secret spirituality which has its roots in mythology that is thousands of years old. Not only does an understanding of this secretive religion clarify how we got where we are today, but it will also elucidate where we are headed into the future if we allow those who adhere to this system to continue to control our spiritual evolution into the transhuman melding of spirit and matter as we enter the final stages of what they call the great work. Here to help simplify this very complex subject, I want to welcome Michael Joseph to the program. Thanks for coming on the show and thank you for helping to make the shift. How are you doing today? Yeah, this is crazy stuff. I mean, I've been spending the last week going through, you've got like, what, about 30 hours of information on YouTube. Um, and you, what you're describing is just the stuff that, I, it's always been on the outskirts of what everybody's talking about uh, when they talk about the Freemasons or the conspiracy or the occult, but nobody's, I don't think, ever really put it all into this package the way that you have uh, on YouTube. So I just recommend it to everybody to really kind of start to figure out what really seems to be going on behind the scenes here um, and getting such a, you know, a beautifully painted picture of what is going on. Uh, it's just really helpful and really informative. And it is super complex, so it's nice to be able to take the time to, you know, sit down with it and really kind of digest it um, and figure it out. Um, I guess I just wanted to get started, first of all, in, well, you know, I wanted to kind of explain a little bit about my background in all of this, because this is the first time that I've delved into it. You seem to approach it more from the side of, like, uh, the tarot or the astro astrology that you, you seem to know really well. It's kind of phenomenal to listen to you describe things in the numerology angle. I've always approached things more from the more scholarly side of things, like I've studied philosophy, and then I've done Tai Chi, which is more, so that's where I kind of get my my oriental uh, study and my, my personal experience with what they call the alchemy, the internal alchemy, um, which is what the occult is getting into with um, this occult science that you describe, really. But, of course, they get into it from a slightly different point of view. Um, but it was just interesting then to kind of get your take on it from that, from that other place, because to me, I think the occult really blends the two. And so to get started today, actually, why don't you do that? Because in, in you, you do such a great job of sourcing this material and you use both uh, members of the occult who have written books from the past, but also 
uh, modern scholars so you can put the two together. Can you describe the these people that you've read? I can see your <laughs> your <laughs> Blatavsky in the background there. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, I, I don't have a huge library, but, you know, mm. the books are long enough that you could spend a long time going through it. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> I can't. I mean, I can't believe you've sat down and, and just just for fun read through a lot of this stuff. I mean, it would it would put a lot of people to sleep. So I really commend you for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, a, a little trick of the trade, even though it's a little more expensive, I bought the Kindle versions uh-huh. And I also have the actual versions. And unfortunately, when you source from the Kindle versions, they give you like a location, like location 3506. And it's like, well, not everyone's going to have that. So I can't really use that. But the great thing about it is you can search keywords. So if I want to know all about Apollo from Madame Blavatsky, I can look up all the places ahead of time where she talks right. about Apollo. But for me, I got to make sure that I read often like three or four pages before and three or four pages after because that's the that's the key to all of this that which I learned is you got to try to take it in the context in which it's written if you're going to be objective about it and it's hard to do because sometimes what you'll find them describing they're just even writing somebody else's viewpoint that might they might not even agree with you know, this this happens a lot when people quote, uh, I noticed like a couple times people have looked into Manly Palmer Hall's secret teachings and, they'll, you know, it's it's usually from a more biblical Christian perspective and they're kind of looking for whatever they can find to make them look really bad, you know. Mm-hmm. And there was one time where Manly Palmer Hall was talking about black magic and he was sourcing somebody describing it, but he wasn't what he was describing as black magic, he wasn't promoting. He was actually condemning. But somebody took that as saying, look what Manly Palmer, Palmer Hall is espousing here. And that's the danger of that, – that, that. that's really what it is. Like there's a lot in these books and you really have to – it's kind of a humbling experience to, to a degree because um, I started off spending like an hour just trying to figure out what one paragraph said, like a long paragraph. And <laughs> – you know, you looking up different words and to be perfectly honest, like it really helped my reading comprehension. So once you kind of go through that process of really, okay, let me get two or three pages and understand what they're saying really well, mm-hmm. it gets easier, you know, and then the next time you go through two or three pages, it takes you half the amount of time and stuff like that. So, you know, I haven't read through all of Isis Unveil, their secret doctrine, but I've read through enough of it and I just got highlight marks all over it. And uh, yeah, I just, um, you know, it, it started with uh, in the, the truther world, there's a whole debate on the cosmology now and the shape of the earth. And mm-hmm. I, I like listening to those things. I don't have an opinion on it really, but it's interesting. And so I was wondering, okay, well, people are claiming that maybe all that stuff is 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 false are there esoteric reasons to fake what we're told in science or um you know bias it in any way and i'd say it's a resounding yes according to the philosophy but i'm more on the line of i I understand more psychological sociological things uh i'm terrible with science observation math physics so when people want to debate all that stuff about the earth and what shape it is they can do that but i just find the psychological nature of the whole argument and everything very interesting because it's it's really a lot of just symbolism just 
just the idea of like a quote unquote flat earth or a sphere earth from the occultist viewpoint, those are almost like allegories for human consciousness. It's almost like a, a tarot card in a way where flat thinking and square thinking like the square and Freemasonry is of the lower nature, five sense reality. And then the compass is a spherical nature of deity or, you know, what they view as divinity. So it was just very fascinating to me. And I just found myself not really knowing exactly what to think. And that was what I wanted to do. I want to make it as objective as possible because, um, I don't like it when people present information research when there's a taint to it because I have to filter out, okay, like when somebody's an Orthodox Christian and they're going through this stuff, there's a certain lens that gets filtered through. Same thing with somebody who's really into these doctrines. They have a certain lens. And so I have to intuitively kind of see where they might have an emotional bias because usually there's like a polarity there where – People who grew up in, in like maybe a ultra Christian household, they might really hate that so much that they dive all into a certain element of occultism and things that I think that are, you know, worth considering in the Orthodox viewpoint, they're just not even going to listen at all because they've been traumatized by certain aspects of it. I totally get it. And on the flip side, some people are into all this occultism, maybe like new age stuff, they'll call it. And then they it, they have a bad experience, and then they all of a sudden New Age is satanic. I'm an Orthodox Christian, and they won't listen. You know what I mean? And it's all these sure. polarity things, and that's what really a lot of the the alchemical ideas in these books are all about is polarity, and that's what they're really the controllers to me are masters of, and they're very good at getting us to argue with each other and fight with each other. And really, the only way to reconcile that in this alternative media world is to be objective and at least be able to see other people where they're coming from and understand when maybe they're getting a little bit emotionally worked up about something mm-hmm. you know it's it's not ideal but not you know just under if you understand that you can approach things better and that's what i thought when doing this research you know what i, I feel like there's a lot of misconceptions that i'm finding that i hear people argue about this and that so i'm going to put it up on youtube I'm going to do something with it and share it, and hopefully that my only real goal was just to help alleviate some of the fear and the arguments that people have with a lot of this stuff by saying, hey, this is what they say. You take it how you want. <laughs> right. Well, it is, it's, it's just such important information to understand from that perspective, from the perspective of the occult, because so many people do, you know, God, you start talking about Lucifer or Satanism, especially like you talk about in the truther world, man, you can, or, or from the Orthodox Christian point of view, and you can, you know, you're just going to get so much of an emotional reaction. So to really understand what these occultists are talking about, I mean, they're not all, it's just not all evil. You know, it's not so black and white. There's something more in-depth going on and it i actually i mean i have taken some time to really think about this and digest it because it's very i you know just to find out if i i mean hey could i be a member of the occult can i actually participate in this kind of alchemy i mean i think in the end my answer is going to be no but it's for for more complicated reasons not because the system of knowledge is inherently evil um although yeah I mean, at the end, I'd like to get into this a little bit more. Let's try to explain first some of the basics of it, because, God, it gets so complicated so quickly. If we could even just describe, like, take a second to describe 
the Freemasons and the Theosophical Society and kind of what is occultism? I mean, what does it mean to be a member of these secret societies and have this kind of secret theology that's hidden from the rest of us, if you will? And what are they trying to do, you know, just so people kind of get a foundation, a foundation of these groups without having that, you know, that emotional attachment that so many people automatically get when they hear these terms? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I've never been in a secret society, so I can't say from that side of it, but right. when you read the doctrines and then you look at the world and you apply that mindset, you it, a picture starts to be painted. And I, I guess um, the foundation of most of my work is based on kind of these two things. One, the United Nations, which I have a lot of issues with that organization uh, in a lot of... Uh, more esoteric ways once you start seeing what's going on in the world. Um, maybe we can get to that later. But, uh, you know, they have a spiritual foundation driving it. It's called Lucius Trust. And it's it's pretty hidden. It's all laid out on their website, but not many people are going to go there. They don't know about it. Um, versus if you go to a UN website or the different districts and stuff they have, that's like the more, that's the more exoteric. And then the Lucius Trust is the esoteric part of it where, right. you know, how many people are going to, go find that on their own. Um, so on Lucius Trust's website, this is the spiritual foundation of the United Nations. And it's following Madame Blavatsky's teachings. And Alice Bailey is involved in this some, to some degree. Now, some people will complain and say that Alice Bailey is like a heretic to Blavatsky's philosophies. But I just go straight to Blavatsky's philosophies and then look at the United Nations. I'm, I'm kind of eliminating the middleman of Alice Bailey there um, just because... And you she, know, ba- Bailey started the Lucius Trust, or the Bailey family started the Lucius Trust. Yes, just to, yes. Just to clarify for people. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, so there was like this controversy, like Lucifer Publishing Company, and then it was Lucius. You know, I don't really care so much about that. It's all on their website, but you know, there's it, it's it's talking about the age of Aquarius. It's talking about Christ consciousness as a fact, and all of this quote unquote kind of new age stuff that at least for like somebody who's in the world and doesn't believe in any conspiracy thing and everything is just a, uh, you know, random chaos or whatever. Um, and they, they, they think that things like astrology are just absolutely stupid or, you know, science has debunked it. Right. Um, and they, they don't have a problem with like, you know, world organizations. There's no conspiracy there. And I'm just, and they also usually hate religion, uh, you know, in its, uh, exoteric sense. So why is this organization that is involved in so many facets of the world that should be secular, right? It's a it's world government in a sense uh, and philanthropy. Well, why do they have a giant spiritual ideology running it, you know? And once you start looking into the roots of the UN and how the Rockefellers basically, you know, they were the rock on the, the foundation of which it was built. Uh, they, they provided the real estate in New York City. Um, and, and then you, the Rockefellers, you know, they built statues with Prometheus and Atlas and then the twin towers of Freemasonry, North and South pillars, you know, there's all kinds of stuff in Blavatsky's work about, especially Prometheus. I mean, she has Mm -hmm. many chapters on it and he's like a huge figure, but it's really philosophical and allegorical to states of consciousness and to me, how these quote-unquote adepts, they view themselves as having this Promethean intellect indwelling in them. It's not like they worship a literal 
dude holding fire, stealing it. You know what I mean? None of this right. stuff is literal <laughs> to them. It's it's all very psychological. And that is probably key number one, where the literalism, at least in their viewpoint, is for the exoteric, the profane. They literalize things and they they don't understand this deep psychic nature to it, I guess. Um, and then the other foundation I have um, is Albert Pike's Morals and Dogma and then Manly Palmer Hall because he kind of takes from Pike a lot. And, you know, you, once you start reading these things, you'll see how they all interweave and overlap. And Albert Pike, a lot of what he takes in Morals and Dogma is from Eliphas Levy, uh, you know, the Baphomet guy. A lot of people probably know who he is. He's a French occultist way back in the day. So a lot of his writings, which I've looked at, that's how I knew I would read Levy and I would be like, oh, I thought I read that in Morals and Dogma. And then I realized that Albert Pike just took it verbatim and didn't source it. So some people say he's plagiarizing him. Oh, uh, interesting. Or, or maybe that's like an esoteric, like, oh, who am I quoting here? Like, you know what I mean? You never know which way they're looking at it. But the reason for Pike being so important to me is they have a statue of him in Washington, D.C. And it's funny because within the past three or four years, the whole idea about having a Confederate flag or Confederate history is like the worst thing in the world. And it's racist and awful. And he was a Confederate general. So we're all these people protesting that statue. You know, nobody wants to take that down. Um, so there's so much Freemasonry and winter woving in it. That's just it. I was going to clarify that Pike was a 33 degree Freemason who wrote mm -hmm. this kind of uh, foundational primary source that you, you use a lot to talk about um, this esoteric or kind of hidden knowledge in, within Freemasonry. Yes. And a lot of people will try to make the claim that, well, this is a book on like anthropology and it's not really like the Freemasons book and, um, and whatnot. And, and that's fine. But when you start digging into it and then you start applying it to what you see in the world, well, obviously he must, his writings must be pretty important because you can see all this stuff he's talking about with pyramids, obelisks, flames. I, I get into a lot in the JFK assassination too. There's a lot of stuff going on there. Um, all of that stuff that he's talking about, how it was laid out in Egypt and, and what they meant. I mean, that's pretty much our nation's capital. And then they have one of the, the most important Masonic lodges right in Washington, D.C. Mm -hmm. Things like Alexandria, Virginia, that, that's a, an allusion to Alexandria, which, uh, Egypt, which was huge. They have a lot of history, which is built. It, it, they make it mythology. When you start looking into more mainstream or university level history on like the Alexandrian library and Hypatia and it's, it's so-called burning. They mythologize that a lot. And when I started reading um, a little side tangent, so, so what the, the university level research said about that, there's a lot of people like, Oh yeah, the great library really wasn't so great. People kind of make it out to be this thing. Hypatia wasn't really uh, this huge martyr for whatever it was. It, there's a lot more, you know, like anything, gray area with it. But right. it's interesting how the the Hollywood version that we get and the esoteric version in these books are exactly the same. So who's running Hollywood? You know, they're both giving us the same version of history. <laughs> so that's kind of, you know, and then I throw in some Aleister Crowley stuff just because he's such an important figure in entertainment. And so that's like the esoteric well that I draw from because it, it's it's there. It's obvious that these people are being revered in public, uh, I, I should say in mainstream places, even though people might not know Lucius Trust, 
But at least that's something that anybody who thinks conspiracy is stupid, I'm sorry, that's an elephant in the room. You can't deny that. And that's got to be weird. Separation of church and state, right? So why is there all this hidden religion in government? And not to mention j- just something really simple is like, why does the president even meet with the pope at all? You know what I mean? Just, it's, it's like people are just accustomed to that, but you just think about it: separation of church and state, and then you, you know these obelisks in the St. Peter's Square, and obelisk, you know what I mean? It's just like I'm sorry, but there's something going on. And to what level you think something's going on? That's what the occult science series will help you figure out on your own. Well, it's just like you're saying. I mean, the statue of Albert Pike in Washington D.C. Also, you know, the massive. Uh, Freemason temple or the Freemason building in Washington, D.C. And the other thing, I looked up the Theosophical Society. If you just Google Theosophical Society, you can see in San Francisco, they've got a huge building, a huge center. Obviously, you know, millions of dollars backing both of these groups. I mean, they're, these are major centers of knowledge to somebody, to some people. And you, you describe in the series, you know, who those people are through the Lucius Trust. You can go on the Lucius Trust website and be like, Man, I mean, you know, there was one a slide that you showed uh, in the video series where it had the Lucis Trust working with the UN, working directly with the uh, the CERN uh, Hadron Collider, you know, where it's like, uh, I mean, you can just look at it and see that these organizations are all working together with this kind of occulted knowledge or this uh, esoteric knowledge, you know, working behind the scenes. So just to clarify, because I, I want to get this foundation built so we can have more more complicated conversation uh, here, you know, within the next half hour. But the difference between the esoteric or the hidden or the occulted knowledge that these groups are pursuing and then the exoteric knowledge that that is what we all, you know, the rest of us see, the masses, the people that haven't studied this stuff before, who don't understand um who just get like the the basic the orthodoxy versions of these deeper more complex subjects can you describe the difference between those two methodologies so that sure. people can kind of grasp you know that that basic dichotomy that's going on here okay well first i can just say the standard religion on the exoteric sense what the esoteric version of that is so with the abrahamic faiths you'd have judaism which the esoteric version would be like Kabbalah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Abrahamic Christianity, the esoteric version of that would be Gnostic Christianity. Islam, Abrahamic version of that would be like Sufism or like Zoroastrian roots. Um, and then this is where it gets a little more complex. There is an exoteric paganism or kind of pantheist idea, and that is more p- pagan Rome uh and ancient civilizations where they they anthropomorphize gods. You know, it's like gods with emotions. They got angry. You got to pray to the great rain god not to give you a flood. You know, that kind of stuff. That's all exoteric and quote-unquote profane to them. Um, any Anytime you give god emotions or, or human characteristics, that's deemed as, as blasphemous, which is interesting because that's very similar in Orthodox Christianity. There's actually certain areas where Orthodox Christianity and Gnostic Christianity actually synthesize um, and almost have the exact same viewpoint, but the characters and, and what they represent differ. But um, and then the pantheism, if you if you worship nature and it's like sort of Saturnian devouring sense and, and duality and, and that that is exoteric. And then so there's the esoteric paganism, which is 
kind of like of the cosmos, which is the visible God, which is this one monad, which is all polarities mixed into one. And that's kind of like their version. Um, and same thing with pantheism, where that spark of that God is in nature. And then that's sort of like scientific pantheism, where you're breaking things down, trying to find that spark of divinity or whatever. Um, it, it's, you know, it kind of overlaps with a lot of Gnostic thought and, and all the esoteric they, they do the, these as all the same. It's just they might have a different deity name for a concept or, you know, there, there's they allow it its sort of own individuality, but they think it's all rooting from this same source. Um, and so this is why they revere so much like ancient Greece um, and like Alexandria, because that version of paganism to them was of this cosmos and, you know, like Plato, uh, Pythagoras, uh folks like that are always talked about um and then lastly there's <laughs> atheism has an esoteric version to it um as far as that's pretty much the basis of the occult science series yeah. and that's what really blew my mind when i got into this where really the esoteric version of it isn't to some degree like eastern religion i'm not saying like eastern re i'm saying eastern religion from their viewpoint um and uh you know, this gets into, you'll see with like some of the transhumanist movements at the end of the series, like the India Future Society and Avatars and the Dalai Lama and this 2045 Avatar project. And then CERN, obviously, science, right? And they have the big Shiva statue, which is Eastern religion. So mm -hmm. it, it's interesting because Blavatsky and, and most of these occult writers, they, they say that the Eastern traditions are the source and that is what the pure spirit of Lucifer is. It's the spiritual doctrine of Eastern traditions that is what they view as Lucifer. So it's not like this angel flapping its wings and they think, oh, you know, he was right. <laughs> misunderstood. It's not literal. It, it's And so his um, his fall and his, his oppression from this quote-unquote demiurge god of this, this evil creator god, that is an allegory for abrahamic religion coming into being and bastardizing or quote-unquote raping so when you have like the the rape of hypatia from their viewpoint she has that pure doctrine and mm -hmm. her getting raped is like raping the mystery religion I, and again I, I, it's strong language but that's like the allegory so i wonder if they mythologize some of these stories to teach their mystery religion and so really uh the the things that taught in science, like the Big Bang, Darwinian evolution, um, and uh, cosmology, several of those things align directly with these esoteric teachings that apparently have been taught for thousands of years. And, oh, we're just happening now discovering in 1900, you know, a, a, a Catholic priest discovers the Big Bang theory. Right. And it just happens to mimic the primordial cosmic egg of the Kabbalistic story of creation and this infinitely expanding <laughs> deity and this single point, it, you know, it's just, it's just almost verbatim from the mystery books. And then everyone's, Oh, the big bang evolution. And it, here's the key point about evolution. Blavatsky talks about it as Darwinian evolution and natural selection. It, occultism agrees with that, but not, that it came from the lower apes or nature. They believe that there's this root race cycle where 
it came down from the, the spirit realm, which was divine and androgynous, and it goes through this cycle into bisexual, then separation of the sexes, and then it goes back up, and eventually it's going to ascend above the original point of creation, and that is where it comes back up into, like, androgyny. So you wonder with all this transgender and transhumanist stuff, is this just preparation for that based on this cycle? And she even says that the hidden hand elites know this cycle, they hide it from the profane, and they guide humanity through it. And, you know, you look at the world, and it's just like, you put two and two together, and it's just like, dude, this is what's going on, whether you like it or not. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, even in terms of the calendars, I think a lot of people are familiar with the Mayan calendar coming to an end in 2012. You talk a lot about Kali Yuga, which apparently were at the end of Kali Yuga. Uh, the Maharishi Mahesh Yogi declared a few years before he died it was the end of the Kali Yuga. Um, you know, so we've got all these different calendars that actually do, you know, from different cultures that are saying that this is the end of a, a grand cycle and the beginning of a new one, the, you know, the end of the age of Pisces into the age of Aquarius mm -hmm. in the Western Zodiac. So um, we're seeing this over and over again. Let's um, let's take another couple of steps back just again to clarify, because I want to I mean, it's just so funny, I've just, especially I've done a, a couple of interviews recently and people are talking about this Luciferian religion that's behind all of this stuff that's going on. But a lot of people have a tendency to, I mean, I'm not saying like, like you, I'm not saying that I personally am into this stuff, but I just want to clarify for my listeners, you know, what exactly is this esoteric religion that's working behind the scenes that calls itself Luciferian? Because, um... You know, and another thing, the way that I've seen it, you know, just from my own studies and then after listening to the Occult Science series, that um, there's a lot of blending of the mythologies. Like from an exoteric point of view, you might have, a, you know, an Orthodox Christian that then can't stand this pagan over here or that Muslim over there because they're different. But from the esoteric point of view, all of these things spring from the same source. They're, they're grabbing different mythologies or different allegories from all these different sources and they're blending them together into this one same overall overarching theology that drives what they're doing, that drives this great work that they're all participating in. And so when you talk about like Lucifer, but then Lucifer, I mean, I can think of all the names that you talk about. You talk about Osiris, you talk about Lucifer, you talk about Christ, you talk about Prometheus. These are all the people that are imbued with this spark of this gnosis or this Christ consciousness that are very often in some way persecuted by those in the exoteric world that can't understand that this divine spark. And so they're, you know, they're struggling. Prometheus gets his liver out. Uh, Osiris gets torn to pieces. Uh, Jesus gets crucified on the cross. But it's all describing this same fundamental archetype. Um, so can you get into how they're all different? you know, different mythologies from different traditions, but they're really describing the same aspect of the esoteric tradition and the occult. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, um, you know, to a degree, because I'm, I'm pretty well versed in like Orthodox Christianity. I, I took a lot of time looking into that. And um, I, I, I see that debate going on. And it, it is interesting how, I know in certain instances where things are being twisted on the occult side to make it that one world religion. Mm -hmm. And then there's some instances where I read in the Bible where that esoteric version makes more sense to me. And the Orthodox is trying to explain away 
this weird passage. But if you if you're initiated, it makes a lot of sense. And and then sometimes where the esoterics trying to make it make sense, it and they're just reaching. But then in the orthodox context, it makes sense. So this is my problem with people trying to pick one side or the other. Mm-hmm. I, I I find a very hard time doing that when I learn to be really objective about it. And so, um, in essence, like Jesus Christ in orthodox was God incarnate on earth and, you know, perform this cosmic sacrifice for humanity, right? And that is the only version or God that that, that ever incarnates. And then the, the viewpoint is that, uh, you know, when God comes down in like the garden, walking in the cool of the garden or the angel of the Lord, this is all supposed to be Christ. He's like the incarnation of God on earth whenever God is on earth. And then the father, no one's seen the father. That's like the the essence that is outside of the material realm, but it's still the creator of it. So it's kind of complex. But then the esoteric version is that there's this divine wisdom or gnosis of the true nature of our reality and the true highest form of divinity. And this is what all these initiates have. So that's what Christ had. And he was revealing that secret doctrine to the apostles. And in esoteric philosophy, the apostle Paul and John are like, the, the most revered. Um, so e- even Crowley says like, who can argue with Paul? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I, I, it's so hilarious that Christians freak out on Crowley, but he like loves St. Paul. So, but, the, but again, they have their own understanding of some of these doctrines. And so uh, the book of revelation and the gospel of John are really important in occultism. So their viewpoint is kind of like, uh, if you have that, christ mind or mind of christ you have this uh that that gnosis that you get initiated in the societies and you understand the true nature of of what everything is and so here's kind of where it can get into darker territories mm-hmm. part of the doctrine is that good and evil are just a polarity they don't really exist and i i totally resonate with a lot of the polarity stuff and in, in alchemy but i don't resonate with that one that's just my personal opinion. Um, but you could see how if somebody didn't believe that and the profane, quote unquote, profane people, they view it as good guys and bad guys are good and evil. Mm-hmm. And so if they're kind of like thinking, oh, we, we can do whatever we want to the profane to transmute their consciousness however we see fit, then you can see that. And then you wonder with, with a lot of this stuff that's alleged in the truther world about weird rituals and you know all that childhood pedophilia i don't know exactly how i feel about all that i I still some things don't add up with it to me i I think there's a lot of fear around it but i can totally get how maybe you would initiate somebody by saying okay if you really believe our doctrines that good and evil doesn't exist do something really fucking evil that somebody would think that that's evil and that might be part of the initiation and one of the darker aspects of this yeah but there's also an aspect of allegory and this is when Crowley and people you know talk about his like child sacrifice stuff it, that's all you know symbolic and and Crowley seemed like the kind of person that would like to just get a rise out of Christians so would say stuff like that just to fuck with people right. sorry if I can't I don't know if I can swear but <laughs> yeah, it's, all, it's all good <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll keep it down to a minimum um, yeah. so anyway so like uh you know it's 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 hard to discern that aspect of it, but you can see from the doctrine, if you don't believe 
if you uh i think even blavatsky i can't remember where it was but she talked about how like shiva the archetype of that forces people to view with equal reverence their evil acts and their good acts and i'm like what like you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. i don't know it's it's and that's what it's like their version of god is all of this into one and that's just divine it's just being there's no polarity and that is divinity i think crowley says a devil who had a unity would be a god, essentially. So it's all about this unity, equilibrium, and stuff like that. And so you have all this one world government uh, merging the races, merging the sexes, uh, merging uh, rich and poor, um, allegedly, <laughs> by a lot of this you know, universal philanthropy and stuff like that, um, and collectivism. You can see how a lot of that is built into that simple doctrine of equilibrium. And so that's really the foundational element to all of this is polarity to unity. And if people look at the, the Mercury caduceus, that's what it is that the serpents separate or polarize they're against each other and then they synthesize and then they go over and they, uh, polar, uh, polarize and synthesize all the way up to quote unquote perfection. That's the, that's the alchemical process. So you can see them doing that with everything. They play both sides, then they bring it together, play both sides, bring it together and I think that that's really, really, and everybody in the truth or world gets that, but how deep that goes, I think a lot of people don't see that. And so when we get polarized and we're arguing, Christians are arguing with the Gnostic people in the truth or world, and then the flat earthers are arguing with the globe earthers, and you know right. people are saying, you know, Trump is a uh, Q or whatever, and people are saying that's a huge psyop. Everyone's yeah, and <laughs> you know, I don't know. I mean. I don't know what to think about a lot of that stuff, but how we treat each other in the process of debating those things, there's a, a better way to do it. And then there's the screaming polarized fear version. And I think that that is the occultists are like laughing at us when that happens. And right. I'm hoping that my series can help alleviate some of that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is interesting. Like in my own, in my own interpretation of things, I've just, uh, it reminds me a little bit of my own, like my study of Nietzsche, who's probably the most occult of the Western philosophers that I've studied, where he gets into like beyond good and evil, and he talks about slave slave morality versus master morality, and then he talks about well, I mean he he mentions Zoroaster, which Zoroastrianism, I think my my interpretation started in Iran or Persia, it's probably the the beginning of all of this, and then it kind of went into. Uh, the Hinduism that you talk about with Shiva and Vishnu and all of those guys, and then it kind of split, and and it went. Some of it went into China, which is Taoist, and then the you know, and then it went into the Middle East, which became the Abrahamic religions, and then the Western occultists. But um, so Nietzsche kind of gets into all of that, but he, you know, it's there's something about this unifying good and evil that makes me think that you can get away with being an asshole. That I just don't like. I don't like that part of it. That you can kind of get off. And I see it sometimes. This is what I don't like about it. I see it in that these occultists or these... and I mean, there's a reason why you call them the elites, I guess. They think that they're smarter than everybody else. And so they can have control. And I, you know, I guess I'll go ahead and bring this up now. Because I do, I do some comparison and contrast between the quote-unquote civilized world which i think this occult philosophy is drive seems to be working behind the scenes to drive whatever we call civilization this is certainly what they talk about with the great work is to somehow cultivate the you know the most divine or the maximally civilized human being and then you talked about too about how 
Madame Blatavsky would often put down the uh, indigenous people, you know, as barbarians. Well, these people are just barbarians. They had no idea about, they didn't have this spark of divinity. Savages. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, that's and, you why... know, people argue that that was a common term, which I get, but just read what she's saying and it's, you know, it's weird. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that this is a fundamental difference that I do have with this whole idea because, I, I mean, I get it. Like, even in indigenous cultures, there was the shaman, you know, there were the, the people that had the occulted knowledge, if you will, that were responsible for the culture of the tribe. But the difference is that the shaman typically were very uh, humble people. You know, they weren't they didn't have this arrogance. They weren't trying to take control of the tribe. They were just trying to help people out, you know, with the knowledge that they had. So there's I, I don't know. It gets really down to the intention behind the action for me. Which is, it seems, when the, when these when this esoteric philosophy or, and these occult groups, you know, when their intention is to control civilization, to create a more divine man or being, even at the expense of the the profane, you, you know, it's mm -hmm. like, wait a minute, that arrogance is kind of a, it. Just it's a tip off for me. It makes me think, yeah, this is what I don't like about it. Even yeah. if even if on the surface the philosophy kind of makes sense, like you're saying, the alchemy separating you know and, and then synthesizing and then separating and synthesizing and this is how we you know this is how we refine our spiritual essence over time um you know that makes sense but i think you can do it in a good way and you can also do it in a bad way you know <laughs> i think what you said there with the arrogance thing i think that's the key and this is what i find so interesting because you know again i'm not an apologist for orthodox religion but I do see value in aspects of it. And I really like mm. their version of Lucifer and Lucifer and Satan are one, whereas in the cultism, that's kind of more complex. I don't, I don't want to get into that because it's a whole tangent, but it, it's about being prideful over your creator and thinking that you should be in charge. You should be the boss. And to me, it's like the ultimate right. projection when you you feel self entitled, and then you start slandering your creator, making him look real bad, and then you prop yourself up as the good guy. And that's all I see these elites doing is everything that they do. They create they they like you know they blame the wars on the profane, but they're the ones that orchestrated them. And then they swoop in and they're the good guys, and all of a sudden like that's enlightening and it's just like you playing both like that's just that's cheating that's 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 deception that's awful you you have to do that to make yourself look like the good guy <laughs> right i i had the same feeling when i was listening to your series that like wait a minute though like you're you're pretending like you're the good guy but you're the one that's orchestrating all this crap and then you're making fun why don't you just teach the you know what why do you give us this crap in public school and then make fun of us for being the profane when exactly. you could be teaching us sacred geometry, you know, <laughs> and you could be teaching us Greek mythology or whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. So, so it is, it's, they're, they're playing two sides of something here and it's, it's not, and then they're, they're making themselves, it's almost like they're creating the system where they're allowed to be arrogant and elitist and snobbish when it's just like, come on. You know, but it's it disguised go. as philanthropy. They're enlightening right. all of us. You know, and that's what Prometheus is. And yeah. the other the other component to like the or the Lucifer viewpoint from the Orthodox side is that this 
See, this is what I do. I like to take that orthodox story, but view it like the occultists do as an allegory for consciousness and awareness and right. not make it all literal. And I think that that's the, the, the nice alchemy of your own. You can kind of weave those things together because, you know, in the story, in the orthodox viewpoint, Lucifer is the most beautiful, intelligent, created being, entity, whatever you want to call it, and was supposed to be exalting God. You know, it was like the the seal of perfection they called it and so to me this is what happens when the seal of perfection that is ultimately like superiorly intelligent gets an ego and how clever are they and how they worship themselves you know what i mean mm -hmm. and and so in, in science everything there is sort of exalting their version of, of creation their spiritual essence and in in, in uh, that version of kabbalah uh, the Ein Sof, that's like the spiritual essence of Lucifer. That doesn't, that's not even the creator. That's just the spirit that goes through the creation. So the creator is secondary on the hierarchy, but you have to kind of discern what they're saying. So they're kind of reversing a story here, whereas at least in Orthodox Christianity, the most high is the creator as well, you know? And that's sort of what I believe, but I don't believe that entire version of it. That's my problem with like a lot of the Orthodox stuff, you know, like all the messed up stuff in the old testament like i just i know people explain that away with nephilim and whatever but i'm just like dude and, and there are instances <laughs> where where a lot of that stuff gets taken out of context but the fundamental issue to me is that um i i think that the exoteric religion there's certain elements of it that are dangerous to these new world order occultists and they they, they do the alchemy they intentionally poison that mm -hmm. bring it to the negredo and and try to make all of that look crazy and stupid. And then they give you the solution. Oh, we have this one world religion where everyone get along. And I, I agree and to an extent that, hey, I don't care people grew up Hindu or, or whatever. I care more about what actually binds us as people and how we treat each other. And the, all those things transcend, I think, religion and, and you know racial groups and whatever. But they get us so focused on that. So that their version of that oneness, which is driven by arrogance, like you said, like at the core, mm -hmm. that's why it's so like you read these doctrines and you're like, it's still inspiring in certain instances or like, wow, that's a really profound statement. Like there's a lot of very interesting stuff in there. But to me, you're getting a mirrored version of it. It's like secrets of creation and, and, and science and whatnot, but it's all for the wrong reasons. And so that's why, like, with the Gnostic aspect of it, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with, like, looking into the secrets of nature and trying to figure out what's hidden and stuff like that. But it seems like they're only doing that for a means to an end of, like, transhumanism. Whereas, you know, the average person, they're just trying to be a better person. You know what I mean? Like, they don't feel, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm God and I'm just trapped in some body and I don't deserve to be and blah, 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 blah. Right. Maybe, maybe, maybe I do deserve to be. Maybe I screwed up. Maybe I got duped by... You know, that, that's kind of my own philosophy on it is like part of me thinks that maybe the, the karma or our lessons here to, to blend it with the Eastern idea is that maybe we were duped by this created essence that wanted to be the most high. And we're in an opportunity where we can spiritually evolve by letting seeing what happens when that runs the world. And that's why when people say Satan is the God of this world, you know, I can understand that viewpoint. I don't think it's so in a scary way, but it's just sort of like. We're, we have an opportunity, a unique opportunity to see what 
what we were kind of duped by and, and really be like, you know, do I really want to be a part of this? And I think that that's why you can withdraw from the system and still be content. You know, it doesn't have, you don't have to be miserable. And that's right. what I really want to promote on my channel moving forward is how to use a lot of this stuff in ways that I think are just practical, down to earth, and without a ton of ego like they seem to employ it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I can tell you from my experience, I, and I talked a little bit off camera before the interview about my experience with, with Tai Chi and the Eastern alchemy or the Taoist alchemy. And the, the function of that is just like you're saying, you just want to be a better person. Um, you don't want to control other people. I mean, even in the martial arts aspect of it, it's about self-defense, creating boundaries for yourself. But all, but it's mostly about you know being a person who utilizes this kind of alchemy to refine your spirit so that you're more in balance and you can function better in the world and and have you know and protect yourself, be a more powerful individual that can't get you know a, a higher level of awareness. We actually call it like the internal energy or the chi can be called awareness energy. It's like just learning how to expand your consciousness, but it's just to um, to benefit yourself, you know, to make you a more functional person. And hopefully you can maybe benefit the people around you as well, you know. Exactly. Um, but there's none of this, like, the need for control or thinking of, like, I'm at the top of the pyramid, you know. <laughs> and there's also none of the, the occulting of the knowledge. I find the very fact that they want to hide this knowledge. Like, I mean, in Tai Chi, you're, you're the first one to say... I mean, my teacher will tell you, and his teacher told him that, like, you know, maybe a handful of your students is really going to be able to get it at to the higher levels. I mean, not, it's not, you know, but at the same time, the whole system is a package for, you know, a, an 85-year-old can start to do it just for their arthritis, mm-hmm. or a 25-year-old can start to do it and become a, you know, a super wizard, or, I mean, for that matter, an 85-year-old could become a super wizard, <laughs> you never know. But I mean, it just it has it all in it and everyone is welcome to participate, you know, and it's not hidden, even though, you know, I get it. it's like I was saying about the shaman, you know, only a few people are the ones that I don't know. I, you know, over the course of my life, because I mean, as a younger philosophy student, I kind of got into the arrogance that I read in Nietzsche. But as I got older, you're just like, you know, some people like to build houses and some people like to read philosophy like one is is not better than the other. Everyone just has a job to do, you know, that they like to do. It's, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, so there's just a, a whole different perspective that can be applied to even to this kind of esoteric knowledge or this internal alchemy or whatever it is that doesn't have to include, you know, I, I can I'm trying to become God, you know, <laughs> like, where does that come from? Yeah. And, and the ironic thing is there's a whole lot of like writings and some of these doctrines that's it's it's like they're trying to project humility, but at the same time, there's another instance where it doesn't come out that at all. If anything, they're the ones that are dualistic in a lot of instances. Right. And um, yeah, it's uh, you know, like what you were talking about, um, you know, the whole hiding secrets and stuff like that. I mean, it, it is interesting how people in the you know the 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 truther world. I always use that in quotes because I don't really. It right. seems like it's a lot of a lot it. of distortion going on there. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Uh, um, you know, in in that sense, you we're in our own secret society on some level, and we have to hide secrets, but for a better reason. And I'll give an example. You know, if I'm talking to somebody in, in everyday life, I have to sense like if if somebody brings up some shooting that I think is suspect. Or they're really into some political ideology that I think is suspect. I, I, I can't, I'm not, like, sometimes I think we can get a little 
arrogant and try to just bombard them with all this information like, well, do you know this and that and that and that and blah, 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 blah. And it's not really helping them. You have to understand where they're at. Sure. And so you need to intentionally hide things from them, but for their benefit and try to find the common ground that will help them see certain issues. Um, so like, for example, if, if I talk to people and I know they're not going to, if I mention any conspiracy stuff, like, you know, 9-11 may not have been Muslim terrorists, they're going to freak out. Right. But I can at least talk about the media with them and be like, hey, you know what? The reason I don't watch television anymore is because it just made me afraid all the time. Everything that they put on there is there. To, it just scares you. Like, there's no good news. Like, everything is just fear, 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 fear. Yeah. And the reason why I don't watch it anymore is because when I, I stopped watching it, a lot of that went away. And so I don't care about the news for that reason. There's no conspiracy there. I just see a lot of fear. I stay away from it. I feel better in my everyday life. And I say, hey, when has it ever benefited me to know when maybe there's an asteroid coming to take us out or maybe there will be a nuclear war or, you know, some per person got some some lady got raped and stabbed. Like, when has it ever benefited me to know that like that happened 100 miles away other than just like oh my god the world's a scary place and it's just like if those things happen it's awful and but what do you you have to just live your life and so i don't talk about 9-11 with them or some secret thing or esoteric stuff but those are things that are fundamental to the issue i know that those are the forces driving that media that wants to create that fear so i'm withholding some of the secrets but it's for a good reason because that's not going to help the conversation. But maybe that will help them be like, you know what? Maybe Mike was right. Maybe I, I just when I watch the news, it's just a bunch of like, let me step away from it. Let me try to not do it for a couple of weeks and see how I feel. Maybe I'll try what he says. And maybe that that might lead them down a better path than rather than like I start talking about 9-11. Like, no, stop. No. How can you suggest? You know what I mean? Right. And you'll never they'll never look at you the same way again. So you have to. In some way, it, you kind of parallel a lot of this secret society stuff, but you're trying to do it in a more productive way rather than like, oh, I know so much and let me tell you how it is, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's interesting. It's fascinating to think about that there are these parallels and I, um, I don't know, you know, it's funny. It does, it, it, <laughs> it reminds me of like, again, going back to my experience with Tai Chi, like it's an internal martial art. It looks like you're throwing a punch, I don't, you know, I can't really describe, I mean, I even understand what they talk about when they say that only adepts, you, you know, like once you internalize the knowledge, it's more, it's, it's not just something that you think in your brain, like it has to do with the way the energy is flowing through your body. Mm -hmm. And so, and so it does take, you know, whether it's you're involved in a magical ceremony or something like that, which is the way a lot of indigenous people do it, or, you know, maybe what... Uh, you know what these uh, secret societies do when they when they uh, induct people into their society or whatever they put them through some kind of a induction ceremony or ritual that can alter their internal energies maybe in some way with the symbolism and the numerology and everything else that they're using. Um, I mean, it is almost like the same system. I almost think that the only difference is the intention behind it. Um, you know, if you're in I, what Native Americans call being in a good way, you know, if you're trying to be a good person, then that it changes things. You don't want mm -hmm. to be in control. You want to get, let other people be free. You know, you're not trying to be in control. I think that's a, a huge difference there. Um, even though externally or in the exoteric realm, maybe it doesn't look that different. You know, you can't see, you know, um, 
on that on that surface level or just on the materialistic level what's going on you have to get a little bit deeper and sometimes i just wonder like with, with somebody who's like you know like a soccer mom raising her kids like sometimes you just i, I think like you know what she's doing even if she believes that 9-11 was muslim terrorists or whatever maybe a lot of what she's doing is actually just better for our society than some of what truther people are out there doing which they're like picking fights with people they're sure. making all these slander videos and here's the the interesting thing when we talked about like the, the story of of lucifer and and you know the satan is uh in, in just a, a title or a term means a couple things it's like the the adversary whether it's of humanity or, or god um some people will debate that because people say like satan works for god and like job and stuff that's a whole other thing but there's also this component of being a slanderer or an accuser. And to me, those are the tactics. Because um, when somebody is, uh, you know, being a little bit too truthful, all the slander will come. And that's like the number one thing to, to go after them. And, um, you know, th this happens a lot in in the, the alternative media community, because, you know, if somebody says something that like, you know, th they said something that has been debunked, all of a sudden, they're a shill. And then somebody's digging into all of their social media to try to find weird things that like, look, they forgot the date of their, their mother's death or they forgot like this or that. And I found it on And it's just like a couple days. You know what I mean? It's just like yeah, yeah. they're a shill. They're a CIA operative. And they, they, they make this hippies video that's just like, you know, it's one thing if something's weird, but like everybody's got weird lies and quirky stuff. And, <laughs> yeah, you know, right. I can't remember certain things. But what they they'd say is like, this is 100% proof they're a shill. And I'm just like, oh my god! It, it, but it's it's all slander. So ironically, and a lot of this does come from the Christian community when it's at its worst. Mm -hmm. And it's so ironic to me that Satan is the slanderer and accuser, accuser, and that's all that they're freaking doing to other people when they're in that mode of like, you're satanic, you know, whatever. And that that's what really disillusioned me from from a lot of those mindsets when when there's an agenda there. I think that they. It's like when you think, and it's similar to like people who are crazy in the social justice warrior stuff. It's like they, their rebellion and their humanitarian ideas turn them into a monster. Yeah. And it's just like, what is going on here? And to me, that is satanic or luciferian to me. It's, 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 you're, you're proud of your own, you know, goodwill, your own, you know, that's what the United Nations and Prometheus is, the universal philanthropy. It's all about, we're helping, we're helping, we're helping. Well, are you really? And it, it turns this victim culture, you know, it, it, uh, and that's what really drives me nuts. And that's why I like when people are like into some sort of martial art or discipline. It, it's about you're trying to better yourself and give yourself a sense of, of, of pride in a real way or confidence, you know, mm -hmm. and, and self-empowerment in a way that's real versus Oh, I feel empowered because I can yell at a bunch of people because, uh, you know, they didn't support my, uh, you know, uh, cause on Facebook or my, you know, I, I donated money to the Red Cross. What did you do? You know what I mean? All this like I did something good and, and blah, blah, blah. Sure. And I think that there's a movie that really sums this up really well. Uh, have you ever seen The Devil's Advocate? Uh -uh. Uh, it's, it's a Keanu Reeves movie. And at the end of it. Basically, like Al Pacino plays Satan and he yeah. takes him in and he's like teaching him all these deceptive things. And at the very end, Keanu Reeves is a lawyer. And he, the reason he got sent to Al Pacino is because he defended a pedophile and he won the case. So some weird 
spiritual stuff happens, and all of a sudden, he's back at the beginning at the case, and he decides to not defend the pedophile and just walk out. And everyone's like, oh my god, a lawyer with a conscience. Yeah. <laughs> and this is, the, this is the best part of it. At the end, a reporter comes up to him, he's like, he's like, hey, can I do an interview with tomorrow? And he's like, uh, you know, I don't think so. He's like, no, but you're a, you're a lawyer with a conscience. That's a big story. Like, this is amazing. And then Keanu Reeves is like, okay, you know what? Call me. And then he turns into Al Pacino. He's like, vanity, my favorite sin. Because his vanity was, I'm such a hero now. He's using his goodness against him in that sense. And I think that that is a really key fundamental issue to a lot of things that go on, not just in the truth world, but just in life. Mm. When people want to be self-righteous and exalt their good deeds to put somebody else down, rather than just doing the good deeds and not worrying about it, to me, that's being spiritual because you're worried more about what God or the divine thinks about your good deed than trying to get noticed for it. And that's teachings in the New Testament with Jesus and the Pharisees saying the Pharisees, they do, they say a lot of righteous things, but they don't do it themselves. They pray in front of public. They want people to look at them and think they're righteous, but they're not. And mm. if you're going to do good for people, do it in secret. So the quote unquote most high sees you doing that versus you don't need to be noticed. You know, don't make a big Facebook post about how you donated a sandwich to a homeless guy. Just give them the sandwich and let it be, you know, and that I think that totally. those kind of teachings are self-empowering and, and, and help you be a better person in a way that's really effective versus like this fake, you know, I am standing up for whatever cause because I have an ego. <laughs> Yeah, totally. I mean, maybe that's the difference between this idea of the exoteric, which tends to just keep it on the face value, and then the esoteric, which theoretically is supposed to help you actually become a better person. Um, you know, one of the things that popped into my mind when you were talking about like how even in the in this truther movement or the conspiracy world, um, like why we may have to feel like having to occult our knowledge or hide our knowledge. Sometimes we have to do it just to protect ourselves. I was talking with a psychologist a few weeks ago who like her license is going up, you know, uh, to the, to the board because she's helping these people, um, you know, who've suffered from satanic ritual abuse and she's like advocating for them, even though, you know, according to the American Psych psychological association, they're just, you know, they're suffering from false memory syndrome or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But, but I mean, and I, you know, I had a similar experience. I used to work with my local radio station and now, you know, I'm on the internet because the NPR, you know, faction just, I mean, it wasn't, I was even just advocating for freedom of speech. Frankly, I wasn't going that far out. I, I wasn't talking about this, you know, it's more fun doing my show on the internet now because <laughs> I don't even have to worry about it. But, you know, there is that level of society, um, that just won't even let you talk about it. I mean, and it's, you know, I live in a really liberal part of the United States and still, you know, at our local little radio station, like there was this like, wow. I mean, it's like you're talking about when you approach someone, you almost have to feel them out and decide, you know, how you're going to be able to talk about some of this stuff with because they might just call you, you know, completely crazy and blow you off um, if you don't, you know, if you don't hide some of this knowledge or whatever and only talk about it in, in the right circles. So it's just kind of interesting to me to do this comparison and contrast. One of the things that I'm trying to do with this show and it's one of the things that I've started to understand after, you know, now doing 26 interviews and continuing to try to figure out, I mean, I'm trying to figure out what is this thing called conspiracy theory or what is the truth or movement? You know, it's like 
And I have come to the conclusion that it's a different, like it's a spiritual path. It's a different path that for some reason, some people choose to go down and other people just can't see it. They're following a different path, whether you call it exoteric or I think maybe in some way there's this paradigm that is controlled by, I think, in the background, these secret societies who have this kind of foundational esoteric religion that they're following. And then they're creating this civilization um, in, in a certain way. And most people seem to be engaging with it on some level, whether they understand it on the esoteric level and they're a part of creating it or whether they're just participating on the exoteric level and they're kind of a member of the profane class and, you know, maybe they're just one of the debt slaves, you know, paying off the Federal Reserve or whatever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and, you know, working nine to five and thinking they're living the American dream. Um, but it's just kind of fascinating to try to get into it on this this deeper level of psychology. Like, what is it that we're really looking into? Why do you know, why can some people look up at the sky and go, my God, look at all those chemtrails, you know? And other people look up there and go, you're just crazy. Why are you talking? You can't talk about that. I mean, I had a guy talk about it at the local radio station. We have to keep those people who believe in these chemtrails off the air because they're crazy people. And it's <laughs> like, dude, look at the sky. You know, it's right in front of your face. Like, yeah. And, you know, the issue with chemtrails is like, for me, just the fundamental point is, I look up and I'm like, that's not right. Something's wrong about that. I don't know what it is. People will say, like, they're putting chemicals. They want to kill you. Uh, they, they say they want to block out the sun. They say they want to modify climate. I don't know what it is, but yeah. it's not right, you know? Yeah, right. And I think when people get a little bit too definitive about the conclusions without, um, you know, being, uh, you know, studying what are the actual, like, you know, element samples that they get from air and stuff. You know, as long, unless you're like really getting in depth with like the scientific aspects of it, I, I think it's better to reserve your your conclusions rather than be like, "Look, his chemtrails are trying to kill us all." Like that's gonna make sure. people look at you like you're batshit crazy. Rather than be like, "Yeah, you look at like what like why like, I don't remember this happening." Like just just ask about it, and usually like the people won't they won't be like telling you to shut up. They'll just be like quiet and like. That's what I've noticed when you when you ask the questions and you don't give the answer, like that's when people are more responsive, and that's when you're gonna know. And and either they're gonna, you know, oh yeah, what you know, they they might ask a question, they might engage with you, or they're gonna get quiet and be like, can we talk about something else? Yeah, and that's right. how you know that like, okay, I didn't <laughs> I didn't need to get in a fight, I didn't need to get into this heated discussion. I allowed them the choice of being like, let's move on, or you know, okay, let's, let's talk about this. And you know, that like you were talking about, like, what is the conspiracy theory movement or the truth movement? What, what is this? And right. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I know, right? What? Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting because, you know, we're all united on something that we know something's wrong and what we're being told in the media and in a lot of pro a lot of instances, you know, just general society and culture, there's something inherently wrong about it. And uh, the big debate is what that is. And what's interesting is, you know, if I, I, I live in Boston, and so if I go out there and I'm like, yeah, you see the, the Red Sox game or blah, 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 like, you're comfortable, you know, someone's going to be like, yeah, like, that, you know, they blew it or whatever. Or like, <laughs> right. you know, like, oh, the weather and all these topical things. And then 
you know, if there's like a, a, a political leaning in a certain community, you can talk about that. It's safe. Th- these are like responses you'll get that are you're, you're all in agreement, you know, whereas in the truther world, we're all in agreement on one thing. Something's wrong. But what that something is and how to fix it just creates this whole cluster. You know, it's just right. <laughs> it's crazy. And so yeah. this is what's very interesting, I think, is because you're, you're quote unquote waking up to a certain amount of individuality. You're like, I'm strong enough to say something's not right about this, even though the entire world's telling me it's this way. You know, the 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 1984 kind of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but what this is why I think it's so fascinating. People are still dealing with all kinds of indoctrination even when they go into there. So some people can't shake certain religious elements of it. Some people still can't shake certain political elements of it. Yeah. Some people can't shake that you know it's just like oh is this is this death real or is this shooting a hoax is it a false flag that people really die like all of these things are just it's it's crazy it's a crazy world because now there's free thought but then there's also still programming in there and it creates this strange beast of all these different things you know it's really true i've been finding in my political conversations lately because i and just this is just me i'm like you i don't really know what's going on but from my perspective i really think this whole russia thing like this new mccarthyism it drives me crazy that everybody just wants to say oh the russians did it and Mm -hmm. i think and this is just again just you reminded me of this but i think a lot of people still cling to that old anti-soviet propaganda that was around for 50 years the cold war stuff and they just want to hate the Russians. And so the media just has to look at the Russians. The Russians did it. And everybody wants to cling to that. And even I know a lot of people that uh, otherwise I would think are really intelligent people that really want to hate Russia right now. Mm-hmm. You know, and I just want to be like, I don't know. You know, maybe the Russians did, you know, flood Facebook with some pro-Trump stuff. But I'm pretty <laughs> worried about the, you know, the voting machines and how they can be so easily hacked by anybody. You know, why don't we fix the voting machines first and worry about Facebook bots, you know, from the Russians farther down the line if we really care about our democracy? It just frustrates me. And I, I totally see what you're talking about. And I, I don't know what your perspective is about that. But it's just I do see that people have you know, different elements of indoctrination that are more difficult for them to let go of as we try to walk down this path towards awakening to something, whatever it is, there's something, something that's wrong. And I do, we're, we're probably about an hour into it, maybe try to talk for another 30 minutes or so. Yeah, however long um, you want. Okay. Yeah, this is, this is really interesting. Um, I, I want to try to tie it back in this idea that something is wrong. And this is kind of the conclusion let's, to, to tie it back into occult science when you get into the transhumanist stuff i think that i mean for me personally you know i i have and maybe i'm just more naturalistic or maybe i'm pantheistic i don't know what it is how you would describe it but i have a belief that you know organic world is a beautiful thing and I mean, I kind of, you know, I heard you in another interview um, talking about Star Wars and how Star Wars would actually be the the dualistic, like the two different sides of the force is this dualism that wouldn't be considered as esoteric. Of yeah. the but, unity but apparently they're, now they're like balancing the force and stuff. Like, well, I don't watch those, <laughs> but like I kind of, I just, uh, there were some people, it was more like Christian people that were saying like, it's pan, it, 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 they were kind of claiming that Star Wars was promoting duality and worshiping duality. And I think that it, it's, it's not, 
it, it, that's more like an exoteric explanation of it. And, and you know, but but that's the, the people see good and evil, right? And that's the the polarity. Right. But then, like you know, some people, like I said, I don't watch the Star Wars. I've never been like infatuated with it. But I, I've heard like uh, a guy I've had on Isaac Weisop. He's like all about analyzing it esoterically and. He's right, talking about nice. like now it's all about balancing the force, and he's like, "Well, when you balance the force, you're not like making things good. You're bringing evil in to counterbalance it, and it's just sort of like that's really more of the esoteric stuff, uh, mm -hmm. balance, you know, this equilibrium, right? And so yeah. what we were kind of talking about with the, the transhumanism, that's the equilibrium of man and machine and and spirit and matter, which is is parallel to a lot of what you know was written." In these doctrines and one one quick thing i just want to mention is that there's nowhere in the secret doctrine or uh isis unveiled where blavatsky says this is the goal of occultists is to make man merge with technology and become immortal and an avatar mm -hmm. there's nowhere it says that's the plan but based on the doctrines and the philosophies you can absolutely see how they're easily applied to transhumanism and the way they talk about these things like the 2045 avatar project they talk about once they get to a certain level everything from there is about spiritual evolution and it's just like okay you know what i mean it's right. just like now all of a sudden everything's spiritual and even i noticed this when i was younger because I, I used to be into you know i grew up in the 90s i was like a a grunge person i liked a lot of the, the hard rock bands and uh, you know i became a musician and i remember like you know the bands were the bands and then all of a sudden there was like this weird shift where certain bands started talking about oh we got to look at things spiritually got to look at everything spiritually i remember even like system of a down they were saying i think we need a spiritual perspective on the world I'm like where did this come from and i'm just wondering is there something going on greater than the quote-unquote illuminati influence that we're seeing something the veil is being lifted whether they like it or not or we like it or not mm -hmm. how that's the big that's the grand debate in this whole world how much are they in control of you know what right. i mean and <laughs> yeah, and totally. and that's a really tricky thing because there are some people who say you can't trust anything in politics don't ever support any politician that's all controlled everything that they do every number that they put in there is completely controlled and to me, that's a bit far-fetched. I think that they absolutely try to influence politics, and I'm sure they have key figures in there. But I bet you anything, there's there's probably some high-up politicians, not like super high, but like they might be completely in the dark with a lot of these things. Mm -hmm. um, I remember watching, uh, there was something about the, back in the 80s, I think, the, the Kuwait incubator hoax or something. And there was this politician that, he seemed totally blindsided that the girl who testified and said all this horrible stuff happened to her was like the ambassador's daughter or something. And basically yeah. it, just, it was found out it was a sham. And he was just like, I had no idea that she was related to him and that would have changed everything. And this guy was like, you know, a major politician. So that just tells me there's people in politics that aren't in on it. Like you, you see this face, like he was just like, whoa, that was a scary moment, you know? And so yeah. I, I feel like, People need to decide on politics, you know, if they feel like it's the right thing to do, if they feel like getting involved or on a lower level and whatever is important, like people in the, the truth or world who still want to engage in politics and be active with that, I don't have a problem with that. Some people will go off on it. I don't know what the solution is with politics. I don't know where the line draws with it. Um, and so people just need to do what they they got to do but you need to come from a place of personal identity and self-empowerment it 
wherever you do anything, mm-hmm. you know? And, and that's my problem is when, like, people just think that if anybody, you know, voted for a certain president and they're in the truther world, they're just like a shill. It's just like, dude, it's not that it's, – it's way more complex than that, you know? And yeah. that's uh, – with all this stuff going on, one thing I do see personally, just to wrap this up, by my point up, I mean um, – in, in conjunction with the occult science, there's almost like an internal battle of what I call elite societies. And some people say that, you know, it, it, you know, since a lot of their doctrine is playing polarities, yes, it totally could be going on with like, you know, Trump and Clinton or, or all that kind of stuff or Trump and uh, Putin and then like, you know, the whole uh, Pope Francis like, you know, the, the, Trump is, like, at odds with all these different people and stuff. And it, it, it is interesting because, like, there's some memes of, like, comparing him to, like, Trumpistotle. And, like, hmm. you know, Aristotle <laughs> seems to be somebody in uh, – be, because, like, uh, if you watched – I did a video on this with, like, Carl Sagan's Cosmos where Sagan deliberately tries to make Aristotle look bad and racist mm-hmm. and, and prop up Eratosthenes as being, like, this multicultural hero. And you can see the programming from way back when, and it all relates to this Alexandrian stuff. But when I actually read through some of Aristotle's viewpoints on slavery, I'm like, dude, based on the context of the time, like, he, it's like he wanted people to be able to live their own lives and be good citizens. But if people were, they were, they were too uneducated and, and dumb to even grow their own food, they're going to die, then it's moral to enslave them. And you know what I mean? It's like, if you just think about the context of the time, like what he was writing, at least as far as I understood it, I'm like, doesn't sound that bad to me. In fact, that just sounds normal, you know, versus like, right. oh, everybody's one and equal and we can all be the superstar in the basketball team, you know? And that's why I think that there's kind of two factions, at least this is where I'm at now. I think there's more of like this Ayn Rand faction, you know, the individual, and then there's the collectivist united nations faction going on now amongst people, the elites yeah i think yeah. there's even like a diversion there right now you could tell me that they're both on the same side and they're just creating all this polarity maybe not or maybe there's some even higher force in control yeah. that is asserting <laughs> itself and you know it's, it's really bizarre and crazy to think about so i don't really dismiss like the political stuff completely outright, but I'm not going to get overly invested in something because I've been burnt way too many times. And, right. you know, when I was younger, before I knew any of this stuff, like the, you know, I remember when Obama came on the scene and, you know, we had all that time with George Bush and it was just like, oh, this guy's awesome. And then it's the same old crap invading Libya and all this stuff goes on. And, you know, it's just like, well, you know, I'm not going to be fooled again. I, I don't mind supporting ideals that I feel uh, maybe into political discourse, but it's only the ideal I'm supporting. The people who are in there actually have to do that. It's like the Pharisees. You actually have to do what you say about it. And so I'm not, I'm not overly invested thinking that like, some politician is going to do what they say, but I can at least agree with certain concepts or solutions on, on particular issues. That's where I'm at with it. Yeah, when I, I mean, I actually kind of got into this because I got into politics. Um, Politics and economics was probably, I always talk about, you know, the different rabbit holes. It's almost like wherever, whatever your interest is, then you go down that rabbit hole if you're more of an independent thinker, and then you, suddenly your world awakens to this whole other thing that's going on. 
Um, and for me, I started in politics and economics primarily before I finally was like, I mean, you know, I was like, wait a minute, where does my dollar bill come from? Like after whatever, I mean, I probably got into it when I was 15. And then when I was 25, I was like, I've done all this studying about economics and I don't know where the money in my pocket comes from, you know? Yeah. And that's yeah. when I was like, <laughs> why, how can I not know, you know, the most basic fundamental thing that I use every day, this tool that I use about economics and I've studied it for all these years and that was kind of a, a big awakening for me. But I've gotten to the point Magic. now. Yeah, right. <laughs> I've gotten to the point where I advocate uh, two things politically. One is this community rights. Basically do everything you can to get your local government to be as strong and stand up to the rest of the BS as much as possible. <laughs> because at least in your community, you know, you can talk to your neighbors and you can make a change in your life. You know, you can, you're raising your kids in that community. I mean, this is where it's all at. Uh, so the more independent we can be locally, the better. And then the other thing that I really try to do, and this is talk about conditioning. The left-right paradigm, man, has got everybody just so snookered. So like, oh, you know, I'm I'm a Democrat, so I hate Trump. Oh, I'm a Republican, so I hate Obama. Like they just can't, no matter how far down the rabbit hole they go, they still, you know, have this vestige of this something that wants to hate the other team and root for their team. I mean, God, it's so deep inside of everybody. And you, uh, you go into like the left and the right pillars of Freemasonry when you're talking about the, the left, right paradigm in politics. I mean, this is like, I just feel like it's a trap that they just set. And then we're all just arguing amongst ourselves and, and handing our power away to these elites because I mean, my God, I mean, the Obama thing was classic. Like, like, what a sell. You know, they sold us this first black president guy, and it was just incredible, and everything was going to be different. And then you can, there's a direct line between George Bush, what George Bush was doing, and then what Obama did. Just, he just kept it going. The same old game with the same people from the Council on Foreign Relations. And the it's, same, it's ironic yeah. that everyone was so excited about him being the first black president, and he completely screwed over the nation. Oh, the, the continent of Africa with the whole Gaddafi thing. Right. The, the African-American people were the most oppressed by his regime. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like they were trying to get the, the, the gold standard, get away from the petrodollar. Gaddafi yeah. was trying to improve and unite Africa. You know, uniting the African people and the Obama administration. Again, I don't blame him. It's just whatever the hidden hand is that's doing all that. Yeah, completely dismantled everything. And then the whole immigration crisis happened from that. And then the UN is directly involved in that. They sanctioned all these countries. They're all these evil dictators. Right. And and, uh, you know, the, the United Nations now is like this hero for dispersing the immigrants and their philanthropy when they created that problem. You know, it's crazy. Yeah, it's unbelievable the problems that they are causing. And the I mean, I just I don't know where to go with it. It's it's frustrating. Uh, anyway, I would like to try to wrap this all back around into the occult science situation. Like, so, you know, where, you know, what is the role of this esoteric? I mean, I guess, you know, where can we go to kind of wrap this up or bring, bring it all together, everything that we've been talking about um, and bring it back into, you know, what you were talking about. I think something that I wanted to get into is... I, 
I guess, I guess what would be nice to have a conversation about kind of in conclusion here, the last 15 minutes or so, is whether, like, how do they construct the reality? You touched on it a little bit. Like, how much control do they have? Are they creating the allegory? Or is this esoteric knowledge? Like, I mean, we didn't really talk about it too much in this conversation. We could have gone deeper into the more specifics. But if people would, would watch some of your... Um, occult science videos or like you talked a little bit about the JFK videos. I mean, it's just unbelievable the stuff that you can get into. When I hear you talking about some of this stuff, it's like the numerology, the astrology, the the kind of the tarot mythology that all comes together into an event and you analyze like you'll analyze 9-11 or the analysis of the Apollo mission was like mind-blowing that it can all come together so that there's a, a, a mythological allegory occurring at the same time as this, I mean, you know, so the, it's debatable whether we really went to the moon or not or whatever, but I, we're not having that debate, but this is the reality that, I mean, are, I mean, in a sense, like, are they constructing the reality? Is, is it all a Hollywood movie, you know, <laughs> or maybe they just use the esoteric knowledge because maybe reality is this is another thing an idea that i had well, i wonder what you think about this is that maybe reality is constructed you know like the holodeck and that there is like a computer program that is behind all of this and all things are connected in some way and what this esoteric knowledge does what the astrology does or the tarot mythology does is allows you to tap into the the algorithm behind the reality so that then you can you can at least utilize it a little bit to your advantage, you know? Mm -hmm. So what is that connection there? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, this is kind of the way I view it. I kind of view like Kabbalah and all of these systems of, you know, um, divisions of the Zodiac and planets and all these different archetypes and whatnot. I kind of view it as reflections of trying to identify the way everything works here. And what is the reason that they're, you know, the, the, the controllers, whenever they're in control of whatever they're doing, what are they actually trying to do and why? And I think about the idea that, you know, again, everything in their doctrine seemed to completely hate the idea of a personal creator God. And... You know, it's all impersonal to them. And then I look at like the, you know, technology, right? The Promethean gift of technology. Mm -hmm. A lot of the technology we get, I think, is sort of created with an alternative agenda. And that is our test. We have to look at it and be like, you know what? There are blessings here, but we can't fall into their trap of why they created it. For us. So, for example, with the internet, I, it's one of those things where I can learn so many different things on my own, mostly for free with it. But how many people only spend their time watching, you know, monkeys pick their butt on YouTube or something? Right. I'm not saying I never watched monkeys picking butts on YouTube or stuff like that. It, <laughs> it happens. You know, you, 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 you uh, get addicted to kind of dumb stuff. But when that's only all that it is, you're falling into that trap where – it's unbelievable. Like people complain about the, the price of education and, and whatever. And it's just like, 
Right. You know, you can empower yourself. You know, you know, you can't learn brain surgery online, obviously, but you can get a background in anything you want. B- you know, before you go to college and you you drop, you know, a hundred thousand dollars in debt to do something that you you're not really sure about. You can buy the textbooks online. You can go to forums with people who, like, say, you want to learn calculus or something. Like, you could you can invest a certain amount of that on your own, and do it in a way that you you go through the process, but you don't go through the indoctrination, or at least you're prepared before you go into that. You're like, you know what? I do need to go to the university to do this or that. You know, that's sort of like the benefit of it, but but nobody uses it for that, and then they go to college. They don't really identify who they are or what they're doing at, at very well. They're getting this collective impersonal mindset with a lot of stuff, especially nowadays, and then they're just in a bunch of debt, and then now they're a slave to having to pay that off and do certain things. So we're, ha- we're, we're given gifts with technology, but where is the threshold? Where is the limit where that becomes uh, harmful or we're falling into the agenda? That's the way I look at it with a lot of this stuff. And this is what astrology – it is interesting. This is a misconception I'll, I'll just lay out real quick. You know, everyone talks about the elites. They worship Saturn and all this stuff. There's Saturn symbolism everywhere. I think it's the exact opposite. Saturn is the construct, and they view that as the creator god, and they believe that they've had restrictions and limitations placed upon them that are unfair, such as, oh, I'm a male in my body, but I really want to be a female. Or, you know what? I want to be a dolphin. You know, like, whatever. With transhumanism, this alternate reality, you can be anything you want, and this cruel creator who imprisoned you, you know, like Prometheus, to the rock of matter and bound by the Zodiac and the Saturn's ring around him at Rockefeller Center, mm-hmm. you know, and he's enlightening man against that evil creator. Now, now maybe there's a reason why we're bound here. You know what I mean? Like, what if we were given gifts and we screwed it up? You know, you hear all these weird stories in, like, ancient mythology and, like, Atlantis and, and whatever, and, and technology going wrong. You know, I, I don't know what that really is, but maybe we need to learn the right way to go about things. And maybe the creator wants us to be infinite and do all these awesome things, but it's not going to give it to us just because we think we deserve it. Just because, you know, I mean, it's like a kid who's uh, just got their license and they want a Ferrari versus you got to give them an old beater because you don't know what they're going to do with it. You know, and it's like the the dad who buys them a Ferrari is going to seem awesome and great, but he's not really doing anything for the kid. So I wonder if there's something within our psyche and our makeup that, they're trying to understand the creation that the creator created, but we have sort of corrupted it in some way, and that's like the garden allegory, I'll put it. I'm not saying there was a real Adam and Eve or anything like that. I'm just saying that like maybe there is something to now things are corrupted, and the force that actually corrupted it, they're trying to be God, and they're trying to break free of this quote-unquote Saturnian limitation and construct and they're pulling out all the stops. There's got to be a reason. Maybe they're on a timeline. Maybe there's some sort of rule set up that they got to offer man immortality. And, hey, if you can if you can uh, be God, go for it. Here's your chance. And they're scrambling and they're trying to figure out everything they can. And in turn, we're getting technology. It's the fruits of their labor. But we have to – we have the opportunity to use it in the right way. And I think that that's what a lot of the people who see through a lot of this stuff, we're at least – on that path of understanding we don't want part of this and um even the people 
in the matrix, quote unquote, I think they kind of get it. So all these numbers and, and, and numerology and stuff like that, I'm actually kind of stepping away from a lot of the numerology. Mm-hmm. I almost look at like the movie Pi. You ever seen that? Yeah. The guy drills a hole in his head because he's trying right. to figure out pie in the mystery of the universe. And it's just yeah. like, that's not for any man to know. You know what I mean? And so that's kind yeah. of what I like the numerology stuff. I, I think there's something to it, but there is a way that you can get completely overly invested and in, in that pie, I'm insane realm. And that sure. is what I kind of started to see myself doing. So I pulled myself out of that and I just like the astrology system in terms of psychology and I think that that can be used to help people identify things in their life they might not be aware of or how to uh, – some potential solutions to overcome maybe any issues or many any flaws, you know, being mindful of stuff. And, and, and I think that that's the way that stuff could be used in a, a benign way. And I think that – like, for example, we talked about Saturn. Saturn is the vibration of limitation and restriction and um, – kind of karma reaping and sowing Mm -hmm. now is that bad in and of itself you know like i said you you don't you don't give a a two-year-old a gun you're going to limit him to that because that's good um that's a limitation or restriction that's good versus you know trying to just speak your mind to somebody and they zip it up that's a restriction that's bad you know and so this is how i view like the planets in the zodiac there's it, I believe it's it's something about it is is part of how things function. And the system that we have is a collective analysis of it over the years. And this is what we got so far about how everything works here. And there's something to the cosmos. And they probably know a lot more about it than we do. But I think that we can at least take what our limited knowledge of that is and be way more productive in it than they'll ever be with all of their fancy stuff that's probably hidden in the Vatican vault, you know, right. because we're, if you could do it from the place of humility and I'm bettering myself so that I can be a better person to make other people better versus I'm just bettering myself to make myself look good and thinking I'm making other people better. You know, that's the difference. And so I, I think that there is something to this Kabbalah. It's not completely like evil, but I feel like there's so many examples of its use by the controlling system and it's twisted that I understand why Christians are very wary of all these things. And I, I agree with like astrology can be, I think very detrimental. It's like, I wouldn't want to check, check a, uh, Oh, is this a good time to take a crap? Let me check my birth chart and let me yeah, look right. at where the moon is. You know what I mean? Like that's completely sure. bondage to a bunch <laughs> of ridiculous stuff where to me, if you understand your birth chart in a way that it just, it gets you more in touch with you and your surroundings. I feel like all that transit stuff that people look at, that will just naturally come into being. You don't need to be overly concerned about where all the planets are at any given time if you're already in tune with your own issues in your chart. And then maybe there are some transit things to, to look forward and be like, okay, Pluto's going to hit something pretty sensitive. That's a heavy hitter. Mm-hmm. It's mindful to be prepared if some of these themes might start happening and you can go with it beforehand versus like, oh, my God, Pluto's going to hit this. I'm going to die or you know what I mean? Like there's there's a there's a healthy way of utilizing it, I think, and a completely unhealthy way. And obviously the controlling system is using that a very destructive way. But we have an opportunity to limit what we get with it in a way that is is useful and, and focus on that. And that's kind of like the idea of like real masonry to me. It's like, 
building up the right foundation, not cutting corners, mm-hmm. and doing it with humility and doing it with what you think is right, but always be aware because we have this dualistic nature to us. You know, am I really doing this for the right reasons? Think about it. Really think about it and be honest with yourself. And I think that that's what's helped me in my life eliminate a lot of my own ego and my arrogance. And, you know, it's it's easy to, to, to read some philosophy books and think you're smart and do all these sorts of things where it's, it's kind of like, uh, I guess I'll wrap it up on this. It's like the movie Forrest Gump to me. He's the idiot, right? He's just, you know, this simple-minded guy who just doesn't get the complexities of life, or so they say. But he's the best person in that movie. And all the people who are, quote-unquote, smarter and more intelligent are just screwing all their lives up. You know, Jenny is sleeping around, getting beat up by guys. But she's just like, you just don't get it, Forrest. You know what I mean? (laughs) And, And Lieutenant Dan, you know, like, they're all terrible people, but they're smarter than him, seemingly. And I think that's the basis of, like, Dostoevsky's The Idiot, which I really want to read that book because I like Crime and Punishment a lot. And I think that those sorts of teachings, like Crime and Punishment, Forgiveness, and Understanding, and the whole point of Crime and Punishment was the guy thought he was so morally and intellectually superior that he could murder somebody. And that duality, he ended up giving himself away because internally he really didn't feel that. But there there was a dark side of him that did. And that's the difference. They don't care. The people who are controlling, they don't really give a crap if they if people they manipulate people to kill each other or anything like that. The ends justifies the means to them. And I think that that's what crime and punishment is is great in speaking out against. If anybody hasn't read that, I highly recommend it. So that's kind of my synopsis of all of it and philosophy mixed in with like the construct and how it works and and why we're here. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Well, all right. I mean, I guess we better wrap it up. It's been an hour and a half. I, it's kind of about as long as I like to go. Um, I could talk to you for hours more. I think, you know, maybe we can do it again in a couple of months. I got a bunch of yeah. other stuff on my list that I could have talked about, and we just kind of uh, talked about what we talked about. But, um, I mean, I really like this work that you've done. It goes so deep, and I think it goes deep into the foundation of, you know, what all this is about. Like, the more that, you know, as like you talk about the truth or movement, the more that people that are looking into this stuff, as as varied and different as all of our perspectives are, and each of us come at it from, you know, whatever different um, perspective or different, um, you know, whatever our different issues may be. Some people are into this, some people are into that. Um, but I think that if we all want to talk about, like, like you're talking about what you said about everybody. Um, what we have in common is that everybody kind of feels like something is wrong. And I think that what's wrong is where these people are leading us. Whatever this, you know, it feels like we're being led, you know, whatever this modern science is, wherever, whatever direction that it's going in, um, it seems like it's lacking, even though it, it poses itself as humanitarian or philanthropic, um, there's something very cold-hearted about about it and it seems to be leading us towards as you describe in the series this transhumanist agenda which is really i mean separating us from our own bodies you know figuring out how to upload us in, and into immortal machines um something that we didn't talk about i i can uh, maybe i'll just kind of conclude my own thoughts about it is that the, the ancient greek concept that really came out for me as i was reading this is this idea of hubris which is what all the greek tragedies were all about when 
when you know the the great warriors started thinking that they were more powerful than the gods well look what happens you know they get mm-hmm. shafted <laughs> something goes wrong and i that's just i think that's what i'm you know that's what it feels like to me it feels like why guys why do you have to build a nuclear bomb why don't we just skip that one you know i don't we don't need that i mean you, you also talked just just a few minutes ago about the technology like why are they choosing you know the technology what what do they have hidden in the vatican vault or what does the rockefeller foundation know you know or what did tesla come up with you know <laughs> that they're not letting us know about because we know it's out there what about the the car that drives you know that runs on water I mean, you know, we've heard all these stories and it's like, why are they making us use fossil fuels and then feeding us all this stuff about global warming? I mean, it's so, you know, it's so bizarre and uh, it's not making sense. And it seems to be funneling us into this, like this agenda that I don't think the mass of humanity would choose if we were given a choice. And and that's just or if at least you really knew what was going on behind it, if you knew that the problems that are created like, but people see the solution, but they don't understand the connection to the people providing the solution made the problem. And that's really scary for a lot of people. And I get it. And um, I'll just conclude one last thing for me. It's just sort of sure. like, you know, the I- idea of limitation uh, and, and Saturn, which is so scary. Look at it in a good way. You know, when you're too overly invested in this conspiracy stuff and you realize that you're becoming like a worse person. That's when you realize you need to restrict something, you know, and that's that's for me when I was kind of more heavily invested in Christianity. There were elements of that where I started becoming very judgmental just in my head, like the mindset you put on that filter of a certain philosophical or spiritual or religious perspective and you see what comes out of you. Now, some people are just they they want that filter to be right and they just I'm not going to give this one up. But when I, I, I just have to be honest, so like certain things start coming out of me. I'm like, dude, what is what am I thinking about? Like, I'm being such a jerk right now, just in my head about people. To me, something's wrong there. I don't care what anyone says. And yeah. so that's how I look at it. And so, OK, I'm restricting my investment in this, but that opens me up to something else. So it's like healthy borders and limitation and healthy expansion and that's really a foundation of like a lot of what I incorporate in my own like astrology and what I go through. So that's kind of my wrapping up of it. <laughs> All right. Yeah, right on. And I can tell everyone that we just this is the tip of the iceberg. There is so much that we could talk about. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd love to do it again in a couple months. We'll keep in touch. Do you want to let people know, uh, you know, where they can find your stuff on YouTube or if you have any kind of website or maybe I know you're talking about uh, getting your own podcast started anywhere you want to let people know about any information about getting in touch with you, anything like that? Sure. Um, well, I'll provide you some links. You can put them in the description. But my YouTube okay. is Schism206. Um, and I just started a Steemit account. Um, and that's in the infant stages. But if anybody's on that, a lot of people aren't really aware about it. But um, you can follow me on there. And, uh, yeah, I have a new podcast, the Proud to be Profane podcast. Since nice. we're all profane, according yeah, to these right? occultists, <laughs> I do have a few uh, episodes up on there already. And actually, okay. I'd, I'd love to have you on at some point um, to return the favor. Yeah, that'd and, be awesome. Uh, and, and yeah, so I have a few there, and you can find that on the YouTube channel. And I have a couple of videos giving other links if people want to listen to it somewhere else, Mixcloud, iTunes, or whatever. So I'll give you all of that um, for the show notes. 
All right. Perfect. And uh, I'll just remind everyone, too, if they like what they're hearing, then please think about becoming a patron of the show. Patreon.com backslash The Shift. You can check us out on Facebook at The Shift with Doug McKenty, on Twitter at D McKenty, and the website for The Shift is www.theshiftnow.com. And uh, thanks again for being on the show. I'm looking forward to seeing where you go with all of this, and, and we'll talk again uh, sometime in the future. All right. Thanks. Bye, thanks, everyone. Michael. Take care.